My name is Barrister Ragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. All right. Clint, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, Bear. How you doing today? I'm good, man. It's uh, been uh, playing... Uh, yeah, it's, it's like having a baby in the house. I've got this uh, got this beagle pup that I picked up on, on, on Tuesday, and he is... Oh, uh, falling asleep on my lap i think as we speak he's just finished uh yeah pooping all over the floor so hopefully uh hopefully things will just go in the right direction from here um i'm not so jealous of the pooping all over the floor but i could go for a beagle pup on the lap right about now <laughs> <laughs> so but you have um you have the bethel hill beagles is your yes. is your kennel Yep. And I've seen you on, I first stumbled across you on Instagram. You've got a pretty good presence there and you've, you've put out some, just some really nice video clips and some really, really nice pictures. Um, tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about your, your, your kennel, your setup and, and, and your, your background in beagles where, where, or yeah, I guess, tell me a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> um start off born and raised here in western pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh back in let's say the early 80s dad kind of got into the beagles and uh most of my childhood growing up we ran beagles quite a bit mainly just hunting uh we did dabble in the trial circuit for probably about six or seven years uh kind of got burned out on that a little bit but okay yeah but mainly, you know, say just out in the, the old pasture and the old rundown farms, and you know, rounding up some rabbits every fall and winter. Right. So, have you had beagles yourself since the since the eighties? Like, I actually, I actually don't know how old you are. Are were you were you even alive uh, in the eighties? <laughs> early eighties, early eighties. Yep. Was uh, I let's see here? Yeah. Right after high school, I kind of got out of Beagles for about 20 years. Uh, okay. Yep. And I pursue another interest. And it was actually two years ago, whenever I got back into them. Okay. Then I, yeah. Cool. And what was yeah. it that made you get back back into the Beagles? Um, you know, what, <clears throat> what, what got you started again? Probably the biggest driving factor would be the family. Uh, I got three young kids uh, right now, two, three, and five years old. Oh wow! Cool. Uh, yeah, part of my fondest memories growing up was you know out there running dogs with dad and you know, spending times in the woods and playing in the creeks and you know just being a kid outdoors and yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of provide that for my family as well. Sure. So, kind of. I knew I wanted to get back into a hunting dog, you know, style of a uh, style of outdoors. Yeah. Kind of pondered pretty hard on, you know, between the pheasant dogs or the tree, uh, squirrel dogs or beagles. Uh, that's really the, the main options in Pennsylvania. I mean, you got the coon hunters out here and the coyote hunters, but primarily the, the, the hounds are, you're either upland or rabbit and squirrel. Sure, sure, sure. But well, uh, that makes yeah. that that makes sense. When 
had, did your dad, was your dad in the Beagles the entire time? Like when you yeah, got back was... into Beagles, did you, did you go via him or did you go via something? Uh, did you get kind of your own, your own thing going no, there? He kind of tapered off as well. Uh, it was probably like four or five years after I got out of high school, he kind of, kind of hung up the spurs, so to say, mm-hmm. but, uh, kind of got on Facebook and, uh, just asking around, kind of looking for different breeders and ended up running into a guy really, uh, set me on a good path. You know, he's, he's not out of Slipper Rock and probably about a half hour away or so. And, uh, end up getting a female off of him almost two years ago and, uh, kind of went under his wing a little bit, getting her started. It's definitely, I definitely didn't appreciate having an established pack growing up for starting a pup because it's a sure. different ball game when you're starting <laughs> from scratch. For sure. Yeah, for sure. When, uh, how old are you? You've got two at this point, correct? Yep. Yep. Two. One's, uh, just, she just turned two years old and then the other one will be a year here and the June. Both females. Both females. Yep. Starting was, that a del- was that a deliberate choice to pick females or? what um i've been curious about that because that uh i the this pup that i just got um you know it, it was actually the 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 breeder was and it, and it's a standard it's a standard practice here that the the male pups are sold um you know a hundred dollars cheaper to two hundred dollars yeah, cheaper than the that's common there as well pups. is that right why is that i'm a, I'm a little bit curious about it because my you know, in the, in the sled dog world, it's completely opposite where, you know, you can, you can't give the females away, but you know, the males wow. are, are the absolute premium animal. What is it about the female hunting dogs that makes it, or uh, let's stick to beagles, I guess. What is it about the female beagles that makes them well, the more sort of prized commodity? Uh, the first thing would be you're, you're getting litters on your, your schedule. I mean, well, I mean, it's the dog schedule, but you have the ultimate say on when that litter's coming, hopefully. Right. Uh, I've always found the females, I mean, you may not get the the upper end athleticism as much as, as the males. Uh, they're usually a little easier to control, a little okay. not as stubborn, not quite as stubborn. I mean, take that with a grain of salt with a beagle. I mean, they're... <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're the, mute. the beat of their own drums. Yeah, yeah they're the they're the, the the donkey of the dog world. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I grew up with a beagle, and and they're uh, they're something else. They're they're really, I I love the breed. They're they're quirky, funny little dogs. Oh yeah, just huge heart, a lot of lot of drive, but yep. uh, kind of grinds on you a little bit when you're calling at them. They just kind of pick their head up and look at you and like. No, I'm doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, uh, I was talking to Becky DeWire here a couple of days ago and she's like some, you know, you don't know half the time. You don't know whether to hug them or strangle them. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair statement. It's uh, pretty fair. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So that's, yeah. but is the, did you put a litter on your first beagle? What is her name, by the way? Uh, the first one is Melody and no, she's not been bred yet. She's, uh, she actually just had her second heat here about a month ago. Then wrapped that up. Okay, and this so the second one is not uh, not related to her 
at least not descended from her. Not descended from her, no. She would actually be kind of like a great aunt. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, Melody's mother would be Cadence's grandmother. Yeah. Okay. So it's just, yeah, yeah like just, half just, aunt, not great aunt. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Cool. So, I mean, similar, similar background, but uh, definitely looking to offshoot a little bit for the male that I picked up here. Right. Next year or so. Are you going to, you're going to pick up a male? Yep. Yep. That's the game plan. Gotcha. I was reading something recently about, uh, I've been reading up on beagles. I, I, I um, just, you know, I, I read everything about really any hound I can get my hands on, but I, I read something recently where they were talking about the history of the beagle and we're talking about, there was a little bit of a divide between, uh, or there's a divide has been created now between what was uh, the sort of standard beagle, like the British beagle, uh, you know, what the beagle originally was and what the beagle has turned into in, in the States. But, you know, I, I have not been able to see anything to back that up. Like what, what are the size of the beagles you're running right now? Like how, how, how tall are they at the shoulder? Uh, Cadence, the pup, she's going to be a little bit smaller. I'd be surprised if she makes 11 inch, but uh, Melody's just, just short of 13. Okay. Yep. But uh, I mean, there's, there's guys running 15 inch dogs. I mean, around this, it's not unheard of, but I've always kind of liked the smaller dog, you know, especially in some of the, Thick, nasty crap that we like to run in. Yeah, right. They tend to fare a little better. I mean, they still get cut up, but that's interesting because the 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 beagles here, a lot of them. There's a couple of traditional Norwegian breeds that are used for the rabbit hunting. So, like the mm-hmm. dunk, the dunker hound is one of those breeds, and it's it's a very it's sort of a compact. It, it looks a lot like a harrier. In, in some ways, it looks like a sort of a, it can even get that kind of Catahoula coloring, but it, it's, it's about the size of a Harrier, kind of a stocky, a stocky dog, vaguely beagle-like, but much bigger than a beagle. Uh-huh. So a lot of the people who like to, to do the hare hunting here and, and the rabbit hunting here do that with the dunker because it's, you know, the, the Norwegian... Uh, the Norwegian breed, the beagles over here, a lot of them um, are used for, I, I would actually go as far as to say the, the, the majority of them are used for hunting the, the red deer and the, the roe deers that we have over here. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and, you know, you would think then that some of, that they would get to be a little bit bigger, but the, the beagles that I've seen over here have been, quite a bit smaller than i even the males are smaller than the beagle i grew up with who was a female wow um you know and she was she was 13 inches maybe but you know the 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 beagles here i i would be surprised if like the mother of the beagle that's sleeping on my lap right now i would be surprised if she was more than nine or ten inches at the shoulder well that's little yeah, she's real. She's real little, but she had ten puppies, like um, this humongous <laughs> litter. And I mean, none of them needed. They didn't need, you know, uh, formula or anything. She was able to take care of all ten of them wow. without any. That's problems. awesome. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. 
Now, how do those little dogs handle the snow over there? You guys get a fair amount of snow, don't you? We do. And that's that's kind of the funny thing is that um the dome is so small they just stay on top or yeah that's that's kind of the funny thing is that they, sometimes they look like otters kind of pushing themselves their 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 legs kind of end up on the side they sort of slide along on their tummies but um you know it it, it seems like you know there's they're certainly not going to be able to handle the deep snow like uh you know like the walker i have or like the plot or anything like that but mm-hmm. but they're um, they're able to, they're able to handle the snow better than I would have expected them to. And that, and that is one thing that I have noticed is that even on the mother of this pup, which is, you know, two or three, realistically three or four inches shorter than the beagle that I had when I was growing up, her feet are twice the size. Wow. So I don't know whether that's a just specific to the line or whether maybe they bred them specifically to be a little bit better in the snow bred out of necessity yeah maybe just whether it was deliberate or just kind of out of sort of natural (laughs) natural selection of breeding the dogs that function the best to the dogs that function the best because you know the other thing is is that there's not really a tradition for um for running big packs here and um I actually have a confession to make, and and then that's that when I started with hounds, I was told that um, it was only allowed to run one dog here in Norway, and that's something that I have repeated multiple times on the podcast. And it wasn't until yesterday, a uh, somebody asked me where I'd gotten that information, and. Mm-hmm. I tried, I spent like not even joking three or four hours trying to find where I had, where I had read this. Cause in addition to be having been told this, I was also, I had also read it somewhere and I could not for the life of me find it. So it was a listener of the podcast, um, a Norwegian guy whose English is excellent. um, Torleif Torsen contacted me and asked where did i hear this and after about four hours i had to admit that i i can't remember like i can't find my source so i ended what i ended up doing is i ended up calling several people in the know and they were like yeah we've heard you say that a couple times and we never totally understood that it's a tradition that we don't use more than one but i it's technically allowed oh wow well, and open up a few more options for you. Oh my gosh. So I've been going around like some butthead here and I like to totally make sure I, I called the authorities today, just to, like double check. I was like, mm-hmm. am I understanding this correctly? And they're like, you are totally understanding this correctly. It is allowed to hunt several, but you're going to run into problems if your dogs catch and kill. So it's better to run one. You can run several, mm-hmm. but if they catch the game, you're going to be, you're going to have problems. I see. So on a totally side note to all of my listeners who have heard me say 50 times that it's only allowed to run one dog here in Norway. It turns out that that was incorrect. It is allowed to run multiple dogs in Norway, but there is not a tradition for it which is embarrassing for me to have to admit that I will eat, you know, bring on the angry comments here. 
because I have screwed up big time because I've, you know, I've gone, I've run my own hounds based off of this thought that it was only allowed to run one hound, you know? So I've been like trying to get this, I, I had the, I have this buzz dog who got bitten in the face by a fox uh-huh. and stopped running. He was doing, I mean, just really, really, really well. I was really <clears throat> pleased with his development. And then he got bitten first day of the season last year. So August 16th got popped in the nose by a fox that he dragged out of a hole by its tail uh-huh. and stopped running like completely stopped. I couldn't, I couldn't get him to go out, you know, to, to, to hunt away from me. He would, would just kind of walk behind me in the woods, completely lost his mojo. Just, just full on shell shocked. Completely just like did not see that coming and just could not get over it. Now, do you think maybe getting them out with another dog might rekindle that spark a little yeah, bit? Yeah, man. You know, absolutely. Because I haven't done that because it's, you know, technically it's not allowed. You know, in my head, that's, I've, I, I've been functioning under this apparently misconception that it was not allowed. And it, it's technically allowed, but it, it's, there's not a tradition for it, um, which was, was enough to completely confuse me and, you know, me. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to change. It's a game changer for me. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can get oh, the dog out with a, with a dog that's going to, that's going to maybe, you know, boost his confidence a little bit because, um, you know, I, I've, I've worked, I busted my butt all of last year that happened in August and it wasn't until March that he started hunting a little bit again. And, um, you know, I've been working on him, but I think, you know, being able to run him with another dog, that's actually, uh, firing on all cylinders is going to be a game changer. And, you know, so I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited about it at the same time as being, you know, horribly embarrassed about, uh, (laughs) having the wrong information for so long. Oh, Oh my gosh. But, um, you know, it's, it's also something that I was thinking about, you know, I, when I got, you know, this all happened day before, I guess it was yesterday. Um, but it's been something I've been thinking about, you know, with, you know, the, the beagles that it would be awfully nice to be able to run several beagles at a time. Oh, Do absolutely. You, I mean, you started out with the one beagle. Were you able to start mm-hmm. her before you got the second beagle, or did you kind of start them together? No, I had her fully started uh, probably about seven, seven and a half months. Yep. Then uh, I actually hunted over her the latter half of the first hunting season. Got a few rabbits, but once the, the ice and the snow rolled in, it kind of shut her down. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, we, we hit the ground running all, all last spring. And uh, she she really really picked it up, and then like I say, I got the pup last year. And then I, I was able to hunt a full hunting season last year with Melody, and uh, we did pretty well. But I'm okay. really looking forward to this year because the pup really started showing interest uh, end of January. Yeah, you know, I was out there trying to get her going, like on the weeknights. Finally, had like an hour to kill, and. I didn't want to get all geared up and go hunting, so I just go run the dogs, you know, out behind the house. And then we got hit with a, a major snowstorm end of January, and it was it, like 18 inches on the ground at one point. Oh, wow. Which for us is like once in a decade type of deal. I mean, it's, we typically get 
you know, a couple, three, four inches and it's gone within a week. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it lasted the entire month of February. It, you know, it just, wow. Melody still, still struggled getting her snow nose established and it was, it was a little slow, but as soon as, you know, spring thaw hit, you know, I got the pup out and that, that light bulb just clicked and they're, they're firing on all cylinders right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is the season like there? Like when, when can you start hunting and when, when can you stop? And is there like a shoulder season where you can train? Like how does, uh, it, how does that work? In, in We can pretty much cut the dogs loose year round. Uh, mm-hmm. Middle of October till the end of February is our hunting season, except for the two weeks of rifle season for deer. And uh, there's Christmas day you're off. Sure. Okay. Well, that's actually pretty, pretty comparable to, to Norway. We've got two weeks where it's, uh, set off for the moose hunters and other, other than, or mm-hmm. it, it, I, I, I'm going to actually be a little bit careful here because I, I've been speaking fairly confidently about something that apparently I knew nothing about. Um, so here where I live, they put, they set aside the two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. for specifically for the moose hunters. Um, and then, um, but unlike there, we don't have the possibility to, there's no training season. The entire season is it's the hunting season and that's it. You can't even let them off. Uh, you can't train them even, um, in the, in the shoulder seasons when there's, um, which would be between, I guess, April and, yeah, uh, September. Um, wow. Where That's there's going to be, there's going to be the, 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 the leash laws are quite strict here, um, based off of a lot of livestock still, still goes up to the mountains and, um, grazes in the mountains. Oh, okay. So they don't want the, uh, they don't want to run into issues with, with, uh, with dogs, you know, preying on livestock. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, you know, it it, it makes sense, but um, uh, you know, w- one thing the the locals have done is that they've made it, um, they've made it mandatory to get a like a livestock uh, breaking course done with your dog, where you take them okay. and, and get them broken off of livestock with a shock collar. So and you can use a shock collar for that, but you you can't use it while you're hunting, correct? We can't use it. We have to go to somebody who is oh, okay. certified, like yeah, certified exactly. trainer, exactly, who is certified for use in specifically that thing. Now, if you had your certificate to be a trainer, could you use it while you're hunting? No, I, I, I it's specific to in this area. It's specific to sheep. Okay. Um, in other areas of Norway, uh, where they have the tame, um, like the domestic reindeer, you can get it mm-hmm. for reindeer. And I, I think okay. that there are actually some areas where you can get it for roe deer, where there's so many roe deer that it, it's sort of a necessity. Uh, however, yeah. um, I would only be able to do it in if i got my certificate for it i would only be able to do it in sort of the the instances of breaking them off of sheep specifically in this area 
um, is my understanding of it. Anyway, um, there's, there, there are a lot of laws and a lot of rules here that, uh, I, uh, yeah, spend, oh, yeah, it's not always so easy, apparently <laughs> to, <No. laughs> uh, keep track of, uh, of what it is, but my understanding of it is that I cannot get certified and then put a, you know, put a shock collar on my dogs to break them off of trash or something like that. I, I think it's got to be fairly mm-hmm. specifically, uh, fairly specific to the breaking them off of uh, domestic livestock in a train, in a very controlled sort of uh, training situation. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like the way they the, the way they've done it here is, you know, how I did it with my, with my Russian hound was I would go and meet somebody at a sheep paddock and they would put, you know, like a long line on it Mm -hmm. on, on my hound with a collar and shock collar, the works. And I would drop the long line, the long lines there. So if the dog goes completely berserk, you have some chance of catching it, Uh but then it's gauged they gauge it based off of what the dog's reaction is to the sheep. You walk into a a flock of sheep and if the dog shows anything other than, you know, basic sight interest, you know, it can look at the sheep, but if it takes any steps deliberately towards the sheep, it's going to get shocked. Yeah. Um, and it's going to continue to be shocked. You're going to need to come back again and again and again until it walks through that flock of sheep without making any effort to go and interact with them in any way. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, and it, I mean, it works. It's, it's, it's not fun. You know, it's, it's not fun to see because, you know, most, most dogs are going to want to go and at least investigate a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, but then they're going to get they start skittering away and engage that prey drive a little bit. Right. Exactly. And, you know, but then they're going to get lit up for that. And so it's, it's, uh, it's not a nice process, but you know, it's it, in the end, it's, uh, it does save, you know, qu- it, it does save a lot of headaches because the fox hunting season here will start the fem- the 15th of August. But the okay. sheep are not going to be the sheep and the cows and things like that are not going to be taken down from the mountains where they're doing, you know, where they're grazing until, you know, September sometime. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, with the first few weeks of, of the hunting season, they are. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you have a dog that's going to go after sheep, you're you're going to run into problems real quick. Yeah, I'd say so. So from April to August, it's, it's no running at all then? Not at all. Nope. We can, uh, we can train them. You know, at that point, it's, you know, jogging with them, having them on bikes in front of four-wheelers, something like that. Just conditioning, pretty much. Just conditioning training. Yep. Yep. Mm. So, which is a little bit of a bummer. I would love to have something, you know, something they could run uh, in the meantime. Uh, you know, at, at least... I can see the point, you know, I can, I can see the argument for not letting some of the big game hounds mm-hmm. uh, run, you know, the, but 
you know, like a, a beagle, the bassets, the, the, the dachshunds, the shorter legged dogs that are not really going to don't really have the possibility to run anything into the ground. Like, like at least my Walker can, um, I do wish that there was the possibility to, (laughs) to train them, you know, to train them, but there's, you know, at this point there's, there's, there's not, at least not in my area. Um, but they have like starter pens in the in your area. You know, guys have a, a rabbit at least to get. Yeah, you get would the, the started you would, on, or yeah, you would think that that would be a big deal here because I mean, there's plenty of them. You, you can find them in the states, but that is hard to find here. Wow. Yeah, which uh, has surprised me enough to make me think that you know the the thought has crossed my mind. To be like, you know, get some hair, pen them in, quit my day job, and just <laughs> do that for the rest of my life. You know, uh, I don't know if it would work, but you know, yeah. the long days at work, I can sit and dream. <laughs> It'd be a nice gig. It would be a nice gig. So, but um, so what? I'm a little bit interested before I sort of go into what a hunt would look like here. I'm interested to hear like break down from, you know, you get up, you eat breakfast, you're, you get ready to go load up the dogs, drive to where you're going to run. What, what does a hunt look like for you? Uh, like an actual hunt hunt or more like a training hunt, like a hunt, like a hunt hunt. Like when you, when you're going to go out, what does it look like? Uh, Ideally, not raining, you know, for which almost never happens. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, load the dogs up. And one thing nice about Pennsylvania is we do have a lot of uh, state game lands. So we can, there, there's a lot of available ground open to the public that we can go to. Is that right? Um, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I, I try to hunt as much private as, as possible, but. Yeah, especially during the early season, you got the bow hunters out there. They're mainly on the private ground and just to kind of keep everybody happy. Most of the time in the early season, I'll just go hit the game lands where there's still guys, but at least they don't get as bit out of shape. As sure. bad, but sure. No, I mean that that makes sense. You know, it's I was talking to in the last podcast that aired, I think uh, I was talking to Nick Gilland about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's, he, he runs the coon hounds and he is really struggling to find big enough tracks of land to, to actually be able to get the job done. You know, he's, he's having to tone his dog off of, off of raccoons, you know, fairly frequently when he's doing, you know, the dog's doing everything it's supposed to be doing, but he's still having to tone them off because he's, he, you know, it, it's approaching the, you know, property boundary. Um, so he's yeah. struggling to find an area that's big enough to run on, but you don't, you don't have that problem or. It... Not, not as bad. The beagles, they don't, at least for the cottontails, you start getting the hairs. Uh, we got small pockets up in the Northern central counties of the state that'll actually have snowshoes mm-hmm. uh, they can they can range out a little bit more but it's also a, a less dense populated area it's more national forest 
Sure. Okay. So it's it's not not as big of a deal down here. Uh, at least where I'm at, it's a lot of, kind of like patchwork farms. We still have some smaller farms, but uh, we're starting to see the, the the bigger guys kind of gobble up all the little guys. And right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your 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 old fence rows they used to divide farms and uh, you know nice brush lines they used to hold a ton of rabbits. They're they're not there that much anymore. I mean, okay. I mean, you still have certain pockets, but it, it it's not as as densely populated as I remember back in like the the late '80s, early '90s. We seem to have more rabbits, but we can still find them. Just gotta okay. walk a little bit more. Yep. Yep. When when you say walk a little bit more, are you walking with your dogs the entire time? Like, how does that how does that work? I'm a little bit curious about that because you know I, I see. Like here, it's not uncommon that somebody will, you know, actually make a campfire and sit waiting for their dog to, you know, sort of bust off and do its own thing and find a hare. Because that's what we've got, at least as far north as I am. That's what we've got is the hare. Uh, um, yeah, we're, we're mainly mainly walking with them. Uh, they're they're fanning out as we're going kind of down the trails or down the fence lines, whatnot. Uh, and typically, once they they jump a rabbit and get, get it on its feet. It's going to circle back around or bend up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we uh, just kind of fan out in the general area that the, the rabbit was jumped in and it should come back through. And then if it makes a full loop and you see, okay, he's 20 yards over to the right or 30 yards to the left, you know, just kind of start working your way over there and they're running about, two three four hundred yard circles i mean it's nothing huge right okay do you do you tend to hunt with uh a bunch of other people or are you generally hunting alone what how does that work for you uh i wouldn't say a bunch of other people we might get two or three guys together uh maybe you know five six seven dogs tops but if you get a lot of guys and you really got to start watching your, your, your shots, I mean, it's between the, the hunting party and the dogs and you start getting, you know, 12 different you know, people or dogs you're thinking about in a you know, hundred yard area. You, you really got to watch your shots. Right. Yeah. I can, I can see that getting a little bit too close for comfort. Yeah. Yep. But typically we're, you know, like say one, two, maybe three guys will go out with me. Yeah. And when, uh, when you go out with your family, what, what does that look like? Uh, well, with, with my kids, it's not hunting season. It's just running season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, I try to get my dad out there and I got a couple cousins that are pretty big in the hunt and we'll, uh, try to get together a couple times a year and you know, make a day of it. But, uh, you know, the kids is more, they're not big enough to really participate in the actual shooting. Aspect. Right. <laughs> you're not, you're, you a mean, few more years. Mean you're not giving your five-year-old a 12 gauge. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. We'll start them off with the, yeah, the 16 first. <laughs> my, uh, my grandfather was, uh, wanted so badly to go deer hunting with his father. His, his father was a big sort of main, main deer camp 
you know, sort of traditional style deer hunter. Mm-hmm. And after, after a couple of years, he, he started like complaining about this when he was about three years old. And by the time he was six, my, my great grandfather was like, ah, you know what? Okay. Just, just, just to get you to shut up. I'll, I'll bring you along. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, first day he was just psyched to be along. And then after about a day, he was like, you know, everyone else is carrying a gun. And I don't, I don't have anything. You know, this, this doesn't seem fair to me. And, uh, the, you know, the wood to, to hear him tell the story, he, uh, his, his father gave him a 12 gauge and he was just a bitty little guy. And he was just luck of the draw ended up having a deer walk by him, you know, way out of shotgun range, but he didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And this was like an old, you know, an old you know, double barrel with two triggers and he managed to hit both of them and just oh boy. knocked himself into you know the, the next, <laughs> the next century and uh, uh, completely lost any desire he ever had to hunt deer again. So you're saying that gun kills on one end and maims on the other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, I can't remember how old I was when he told me that story, but yeah, he, uh, that 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 was it for him. He was done. <laughs> but so yeah, what? Well, um, are you are you running a twenty gauge or a four ten or what? Are what do you run for? Um, currently running a the twenty gauge over under. Yep. Yeah, a little little CZ Upland. Nice that's little, a that's a good gun. Yeah, it is nice, nice and light and. Uh, I wouldn't recommend taking to the skeet range and shooting a hundred plays with it, but for carrying through the brush, it's a nice light little gun that gets it, gets it done. Yeah. Now there's something to be said for that. You know, it's, 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 we've got a lot of alder brush here. We don't have the kind of the, the sort of pricker brush, uh, thickets. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like you guys get quite a bit, you know, we'll, we'll have, oh, the, yeah, we get the, the multi-four rows and the blackberries. And raspberries yeah. And yeah, exactly. We, I mean, we're, we're head to toe and, you know, briar proof clothing just to make it through some of the scrap. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we don't get as much of that. We've got the, you know, we've got the blackberries, got the raspberries, you know, but it, it, they're not as common there and they're in, they're in little patches here and there, you know, mm-hmm. but what we've got is the alder brush, which the dogs can make it through fine. The hares can make it through fine, but it's, it's like, you know, above your knees, it's just this mm-hmm. impenetrable mass of just crap. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to get through um and yeah i've got a i've got a uh what is it called a, a lambert um over under real light real short and it's it's just a gun that i absolutely love specifically for that reason that i'm not walking through these alder brushes with a you know big long heavy shotgun yeah, because you know, I'm I'm never gonna have those long those long distance you know sixty yard shots at anything. You know that's mm-hmm. that's never gonna happen. It's always gonna be ten, fifteen. You know, yeah. I don't I don't need something. You know, I I don't yeah. need a gun that I would hunt pheasants with. You know, it's like it, it's not necessary. No, I've actually been contemplating getting like a little twenty eight gauge. Yeah, you know, for. When, when my oldest boy gets 
a little bit older. Yeah. Of course, you got to justify it, but yeah, he needs a gun, so he can take right. dad's over under. And <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I'll just get something new. Why not? Yeah. Yep. Now, my uh, my yeah. oldest son has just started shooting, um, has just started shooting himself, and he's shooting sort of light load, um, but he's shooting a 12 gauge, but it's sort of light loads. Mm hmm. And uh, that that's going pretty well, you know. He's he uh, he's little enough, so you know it was hard to find a gun that sort of worked for him. But you know, I yeah, cut a cut a pretty small a pretty small twelve gauge, cut it down to sort of the, as as small as I could without totally ruining it, and uh, that yeah. that's fitting him all right. The nice thing about the twelve is it is pretty versatile. I mean, you can you can have a lot of lot of game with the twelve gauge. Yeah, you know it's it's a great uh, it's a great caliber for most things. I think for you know especially when you're talking about the snowshoe hairs, you know they're pretty big. Mm -hmm. You know the I think the the I, I would almost certainly have something different if I was hunting cottontails just because even with a light load you know a 12 a 12 yeah, gauge can, there's, there's not going to be much left no you're you're wrecking them pretty hard so i but the uh you know the the hairs they're so big that they can they can absorb a pretty big a pretty big load without uh you know and you, you'll still have a little bit of meat left anyway mm -hmm. about the woods you're hunting hairs is it kind of open or pretty dense or it's pretty dense. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, you know, you, you can kind of get into that sort of open pine forest, uh, in some areas, but you know, they do the, they do a lot of sustainable, um, sustainable logging here. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you get into something that's a little bit more old growth, then it opens up a little bit, but you know, for the most part, you're going to be in the brush, you know, you're going to have that yeah. half a second to, mm -hmm to react and you know then then yeah, that snapshot yep then it's gone and you know they're they're the big snowshoe hair so they're gonna they're gonna do some big they're gonna do some big loops and you know it's not always gonna not always gonna work out for you but you know again uh the the beagles here are gonna be used from more often than not on roe deer and the um the red deer now how do those deer handle i mean I, I got pretty limited experience with anything other than a whitetail. I mean, if sure. they see something, they're kind of out of the country in, in no time. I mean, yeah, the red deer are a little bit like that. You know, they'll, they're not going to hang around and, and sort of take any chances. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, it, then it's with a red deer, you know, if, if you want to take one for the beagle, it's, it's going to be, you know, kind of a kind of a driven hunt type of a deal yeah. where you're going to have some people posted along, you know, they're most likely the most likely corridors of travel yep. and try to get them as they're leaving the country. Basically, yeah. um, the road deer are a little bit different. They're going to it's actually really difficult for me to see the difference between a road deer. And, the, you know, this is just pure inexperience, but a road deer and a hare. Because the roe deer will do loops as well. Oh, that's handy. Um, and, you know, the hare will. The roe deer tend to go a little bit longer than the hare. But, you know, if you've got a roe deer that's 
content to do little loops. You know, I've there's there's been a couple of times where I've waited, you know, been waiting for my, you know, I would, would like to say that I was intentionally hunting them when it's not, not going to be the truth. The waiting for my walker to walk by me with what I thought was a hare and it ended up being a roe deer and vice versa. Um, you know, running for her, what for her would be trash, but and you know, honestly, that was part of why I. I decided to go for a beagle. There was a bunch of reasons for it. And, you know, one of them being the same, same as what you talked about is, you know, wanting, wanting the good family dog. Cause they, they are such good. They are such good family dogs. Well, and, you know, yeah. <clears throat> now, if a, a mouse breaks wind two counties over, they're going to let you know about it, but they are a great family <laughs> dog. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, and, you know, the, the other thing was that I, you know, here in Norway, because they've got the limit of 41 centimeters, which is, I don't even know what that would be in inches. Um, but the, it's the limit of 41 centimeters um, to be allowed to run deer. So a beagle. They can't be over 41 centimeters? That's, that's right. Yep. Okay. If they're over. 41 centimeters, which is 16, 16 inches. Then they are, you can't legally run deer with them. Hmm. Um, it, it is, it's, it's uh, which I, I kind of understand because anything shorter than 41 centimeters, you know, or 16 inches, it's even going full blast is not going to be able to pressure a deer to the point yeah. where it's going to, you know, you know, blow a gasket. Burn it down, yeah. Right. Um, it's got enough time to stop and kind of catch his breath and look back. And right. You know exactly the the dog's going to be moving slow. You know, in relation to a dog that's you know thirty centimeters at the shoulder, or third, or sorry, thirty inches at the shoulder. You know, so. Um, mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, the, the, that's what attracted me a little bit to the beagle is that it's short enough so that I can run deer if I want to, but it's also still a full blown. I mean, it's, it's a proper hound, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't have some deformity that they've continued to breed into the dog. You know, it, it doesn't have, you know, uh, misshapen front legs and th- you know things like mm-hmm. that a spine Just that it can't, <laughs> right exactly you know it, it doesn't have a spine that it can't possibly support you know things like that mm-hmm. um very few health problems it just just seemed like sort of the ideal dog all you know all in all in all mm-hmm. you know being uh in the situation that i'm in with you know two kids that are nine and seven years old and interested oh, in hunting themselves yeah i mean they're they're really excited about it because you know ultimately the fox hunting stopped being as much fun for them as i as i had hoped that it would be and you know a lot of that had to do with the fact that you know as soon as as soon as we got even a little bit of snow you know walking a mile mile and a half into a den stopped being fun for a six-year-old you know <laughs> it was like it doesn't sound like fun for me. So <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It was like, you know, even for me, it was like, you know, cinch up the belt, take a deep breath and put your head down mm-hmm. and just do it. 
you know, for the six year old, it was like, why, why are we doing this? You know? Yeah. Um, I'll have have a blast chasing the hair. I'm really looking forward to it. I I really am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, I'm going to go down to, you know, you don't have to go that far from here. I, you know, here we've only got the hair, but I don't, I don't think I need to go more than, well, I mean, uh, I have seen, I have seen and hunted the um, rabbits three hours from here, three hours farther south. That's not bad. So it doesn't take me that long to get to an area where there's going to be a lot of rabbits. The nice thing about that, you get the kids out there and you, you get a pair up on his feet. I mean, it's going to bring it back around. So, I mean, you can stand there and talk. I mean, like, I take my five-year-old out. He spends more time smacking trees with sticks and playing in the crypt than he does actually watching the dogs or the rabbits. Right. <laughs> that sounds but, familiar. That's the one nice thing about, you know, one of the reasons that drew me back into the, the beagles is, you know, I'm, I'm not putting a kid in the blind and you know, force them to be quiet for hours on end. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I, w- I want them to be a kid out there in the woods and explore and you know, right. You know, just, just have fun. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. I totally understand I that. And the exact, exact same train of thought. Yeah. I had to laugh here a couple of weeks ago. I had my oldest out with me and, you know, you can tell when the dogs turn, you know, just by the sound of the, the, the pitch of the bark and, you know, when the rabbit's starting to come back towards you and you know, so you're like, you know, shh, you know, his, the rabbit's coming, you know, time to be quiet. And, you know, he, five-year-old holds his attention for the whole 10 seconds and he's wailing on this tree again with whatever stick he's got. But for whatever reason, he actually was quiet and saw the rabbit, you know, come by, you know, about 10 feet in front of him. As soon as it went by and the dogs ran by, he turned to me and he was just big bug eyed. And he's like, Dad, when I'm quiet, we see wild animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to tell you that for a year now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's funny how that works. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, um, it's such um, a good, it seems like, you know, it, it just seems like such a great dog for for getting kids bought in. And, you know, that's, that's the stage I'm in at this yep. point is, you know, I've got, I got into the hounds myself, you know, after my kids were already born after, you know, after a long career with sled dogs and, mm-hmm. you know, the, I've had a lot of fun with the big hounds, the tall hounds, and I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep fox hounds around. I'm going to keep big game hounds around. You know, I, I, I want to have that as well, but uh, just in terms of a, you know, easily accessible hunt, for kids and a fan you know sort of family oriented hunting it just it seems like it's it's hard to beat the uh the beagles yeah absolutely yeah so what uh what are your plans now for the for the future now it sounds like you're you're solidly back into the game and you you've got a you're gonna get a mail at some point here are you gonna do some Breedings yourself, or what's uh, yeah? The, what's the future like for the, Bethel Hill Beagles? Uh, just you know, trying to get this line kind of off the ground. Really, you know, trying to do my homework and you know, find some decent breeders to see what lines I want to kind of merge together to kind of form my own. Sure. What are you looking for? Like, what uh, what are the criteria that 
Uh, mainly healthy, good brains and a you know, good nose. I mean, I personally, I think it's good to have a, a bit of a diverse pack. Uh, you, Melody, my older dog, I'd probably consider her more of like an anchor dog. She's going to be you know, very, a little bit more in a medium speed, you know, steady right on the, right on the track. Uh, mm-hmm. Might be able to you know, pull the dogs that might blow a corner back on track and keep it rolling. But I like to have a little bit of speed to kind of keep the rabbit up and moving. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, you know, mesh uh, got a little bit of a diversity between the dogs we end up getting. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. What is uh, what is your other dog? What is she called? What's her name? Cadence. Cadence. Yeah. What uh, yeah. what does she bring to the table in terms of? Um, uh, it seems like the, the videos you've put out. She she you've got a a pair that work really well together. Yeah, they are. They're working. They're definitely gelling very nicely. Uh, she's actually got got a bit more speed. Like she's definitely more of the uh, the kind of corner cutter. Mm-hmm. You know, mentality. She's Melody's more of my my start dog. She's going to get the rabbits up and moving. And uh, and I've I've gotten a few. I haven't really sold Cadence too terribly much. It's on the to do list. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like once Melody gets going, Cadence is trying to get out ahead of her as quickly as possible. And she is on the track. I mean, I'll see the rabbit go, and she's right on it. But she definitely has a little bit more speed than than Melody's bringing to the table at this point. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's, you know, it, it's something that I've, uh, I've not had to put a lot of thought into in terms of like building a pack or building a pair, um, you know, based now on my, yeah, now I've got that option. That's exactly right. So it's, it's interesting to me what, you know, what people put into, you know, how they, how they create pairs. I just talked to uh, a friend of mine who hunts bear with plots in Sweden and there it's allowed to run two dogs on, on bear, at least where he's hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, they break them into pairs and it was really, really interesting talking to him about how he kind of goes about creating these, these, these pairs of dogs. Cause you know, they're, they're running these big old brown bears over there. They don't, they're not running the black. We don't have black bears in Europe and, and, um, you know, the brown bears don't tree. So you would almost think that you'd want these sort of super gritty, you know, gnarly dogs that were able to kind of keep it, you know, get it bait up. And, and, and mm-hmm. realistically, that's, that's not the case. It was really interesting listening to him talk about, you know, how, how they kind of, he's got to match strengths with weaknesses and, and sort of c- kind of try to create a pair that has the ability to hang with a bear, but are not going to put so much pressure on it that it's going to turn around and, you know, eat them basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. You know, now, but what it, kind of, go ahead. What kind of characteristics did the, uh, the parents of the puppy just picked up have? I mean, what, did you get to see them run at all or? Um, I didn't get to see them n- not in person. Um, I, I saw quite a few 
I saw quite a few videos of them both or of the father running. Um, and the mother was an import from Finland originally. Oh, wow. Um, and they're both, the father is quite a, quite a bit bigger than the, the, the female. Um, but they both seem to be, you know, they both had managed to get their, uh, what they call like the, the, the hunting champion status. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's through, you know, field trials. So you do the field um, trials over there as well then on, on hares or? Um, they, they do do it on hares. Yep. And then they do it on, um, roe deer and, um, they might do it on the red deer. I'm not actually sure about that, but, um, at least the father, uh, got his hunting champion certificate on roe deer and the mother, I believe did as well, but that might've, that might've been here. I actually need to go back and look. I'm assuming that's going to be more like a, uh, the doll's performance, the standard It's not competition dog versus dog. Well, um, kind of like the upland competition versus like that. We have the, you know, the, the big and little packs over here. Right. Well, I mean, here they're, they're going to be judged individually, you know, so they're yeah. not going to be a part of a pack. They're going to be judged as sort of based on to a standard. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, there's a, there's, it's a very complex set of rules and, and sort of things with a total point sum um that's going to sort of uh, yeah, decide where the dog falls whether it's you know is what they would call very good or champion or you know um mm-hmm. it's it's something that i haven't actually looked a lot at uh mainly because i haven't had a dog that i've had any interest in in getting that title with mm-hmm. you know I'm, I, I'm i'm hunting for the sheer pleasure of hunting um yeah. and to fill my freezer you know ultimately so um the the shows and the competitions have not been that interesting to me i did a little bit of the i did a little bit of akc stuff back when i back when i lived in the states sort of obedience trials type stuff and and i, it, I got burnt out real quick it was not it was not yeah. my deal um, I think yeah, I might, I <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, at, at that point I was like 12, 13, 14, you know, with just a Labrador that was my buddy, you know, and, you know, still like, you know, I had these like 50 year old women playing mind games with me, trying to psych me out. And it's just <laughs> like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm over this. Like, this is just not, this is just not worth doing. And, um, but with this with this beagle pup, I'm, I'm considering um, uh, getting the the sort of hunting champion um, certificate for him mm-hmm. if I can. You know, I mean, there's no guarantee, but I I think it would be interesting interesting to go through that process with him. Um, yeah, I'm sure it would our, help, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I was say I'm sure it would help if you you know decide to breed him or stud him out down the road. Right. Yeah. Exactly. What are the what are the, what were the trials like for you? Like, what were you what were you competing in? Were you competing in? Because uh, 
you're going to have to forgive my ignorance here. The, the there are different types of trials for beagles. There's like brace trials. Are there? Isn't that right? Where you've got two at the same time, or how does how does that work? I, I know the AKC has some some different styles. I I'm just starting to kind of look into that. The the guy I got my dogs off of, he's he's pretty big in the AKC trials, and uh, I haven't ruled out kind of you know, putting my, dabble my feet back in that world, you know, down the road. But, uh, I ran the ARHA trials back in the nineties and it was, uh, mainly, you know, four or five dog packs. Um, you know, just, it's a a point scoring system based on jumps and, uh, they'll mark a line where the rabbit cross and, you know, the first dog cross gets so many points and, you know, second dog gets a little, bit less and then there's minus points and a whole bunch of different roles and then tally it up at the end of the day and you know the, the winner of the pack moves on in the competition till you know kind of best dog wins okay yep yep gotcha oh that's interesting i i'm i'm going to be interested to see what the what the setup is here because you know like i said they don't have the the tradition for the packs here mm-hmm so my understanding is that it's, it's, it's individual dogs, one and one, um, that they'll, that they'll test with, um, with points deducted for, you know, running off game. Like, you know, if you, if you go to get it, it's roe deer certificate, if it hunts, you know, if it goes after hare or, or, you know, moose or something like that, that you're going to get points deducted for that. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I I don't know a lot about it. It it's something that I'm just at this point trying to kind of figure out a little bit. Um, you know, specifically, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for the reason that you said, you know, the 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 idea that if if this guy ends up being, you know, worth the powder to blow him up with, that it might be, uh, you know, might be advantageous to breed him at some point. Absolutely. Um, but what you know? What was it that made you kind of lose interest in it in the first place? You know, I know, I know what it was that made me lose interest in the AKC's sort of obedient stuff. But what turned you uh, off from the uh, the rabbit competitions or the trials? I part of it was just you know. You did have to do quite a bit of traveling to, you know, really start racking the points up if you want to start titling your dog. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't know, I, I've always had a problem with, uh, say, inflated egos. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, I, I don't play well with it. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it wasn't anything horrible. It's just my, my focus shifted a little bit. Sure. I mean, yeah, just, that's, <laughs> that's as good a reason as any. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our dogs growing up were definitely more of the, you know, the, the probably the medium to slow style, but they were true to line. And we had one dog, we actually put a champion title on him and he was actually two wins away from making grand champion, but all his points were jump points. I mean, he just, the the 
the competition scene kept getting faster and faster. And then you started seeing these, you know, like the slashers coming in, you know, the dogs that they're, they're cutting corners, but I mean, they're, they're following the rules. I mean, they're still getting points. It's just, wasn't the style of dog that we had, or we wanted to hunt really. Right. So it was either right. adapt to the changing times or kind of get out of it. And we kind of got out of it. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense to me. You know, it's, it's, it seems like the, you know, back in the day talking to some of these older guys, it seems like it was possible to have a dog that could do both things. That was both, uh, you know, a, a decent competition dog and a meat dog, you know, whether we're talking about rabbit dogs or whether we're talking about, you know, coon, mm-hmm. coon hunting competitions or whatever. Yeah. Um, it seems like more and more you're getting kind of sp- dogs that are specific to one thing like they're either competition dogs or they're meat you know they're they're fur dogs they're meat dogs whatever i guess it really depends on the style of hunting you want uh i mean competition dogs move rabbits i mean they they can get out there and they're quick they they're going to move the rabbits but it also means you might have a little bit quicker of a snapshot trying to get it up i mean it just it's all in really the hunting style you're looking for where if you wanted to kind of like a dual purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's been one of the things I've been sort of interested in. It's been interesting to see the difference here between you know, here in Norway. A lot of the people that I've talked to, you know, they, they, we end up kind of wanting different types of dogs. You know, I, I like the dog that's kind of slow. I like the dog that's going to, you know, drag that, the, the fox that we get on its feet in at eight o'clock in the morning. I like the dog that's still going to be on that same fox at two, three, four in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, where that's not necessarily going to be the dog that some other people would choose. And, you know, it's, 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 I'm always going to, I'm always going to fall on the side of if I have to pick a dog, it's going to be the meat dog. Yeah. You know, not to say there's anything wrong at all with these competition dogs. It's, it, it, it's not, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's pure preference. Yep. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see, you know, cause w- w- one of the things about how they do it here is that you know you're not competing against any other dogs yeah you know you're competing against the sort of set the 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 set of rules the set of expectations you're right exactly i i I guess you start more or less with the the maximum number of points that you can possibly have and then they just sort of deduct with faults and it's that is kind of vaguely interesting to me in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be competing against anybody else's dog that cuts corners mm-hmm. or, yep. you know, um, is, is kind of going out there and, and it's front know, and center and accountable um, for all the actions. Right. Exactly. You know, I, I, there was a dog, uh, you know, there was a dog I, I knew about that, you know, would hang behind would stay close enough to the dogs that jumped the fox. It was a fox dog. And then right at the end, it's it's it was sort of insane. Right at the end, it would hop up front. 
And yep. I mean, that dog won, <laughs> that dog won everything, <laughs> but it, you know, and not taking anything away from the dog, it was, wasn't a dog that I would have wanted on a, mm-hmm. you know, going out on the weekend with my family or my friends kind of a way, you know, it's, it's like, that's, uh, that, that's not a dog that I would have been confident could have gotten the job done consistently. Yeah, it, it may be, you know, in a solo setting, it, it might be more apt to get out there and you know, put all the work in. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's a yeah. good point. You know, you never know what it would do on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good, good example of that is, uh, like I said, a guy I got my dogs off of, he's got an old male. It's actually uh, Melody's father. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be out hunting, you know, get seven, eight dogs dropped, and uh, he's just kind of milling around the feet and you know, try to get them to go in. He'll kind of lift his nose up and smells like, no, nah, there ain't nothing in there. I'm not even going to bother, you know, getting scratched up in that pucker brush. But uh, you know, as soon as you know, a certain dog would, would hark on, I mean, he, he's gone. He's, he's right into it. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's, in, it's interesting. Uh, they, they even uh, we noticed, you know, if a certain dog's a little, little sloppy with his bark, you know, kind of barking at everything, he actually ignores it. I mean, he, he won't even honor that dog. Really? Hmm. Wow. Huh. Gosh, this is uh, you know, you uh, this hound thing is endlessly fascinating. It really is. It is. It's uh, yeah, always learning something. Yeah, it's uh, seeing different sights. <laughs> you know, every time I, I have, I mean, especially in the hound things, because I'm so new to it and so green and so you know horrendously inexperienced. I've I've not gotten to the point where I've I've sort of started to get that feeling that I've got a whole you know I've got a kind of got a bead on it all. You know, it's it's. The, uh, but you know, there's been a couple of times throughout the years where, you know, I'll admit that my, my ego got the better of me. And I started to get this kind of feeling that I had kind of a, I had a bead on this husky stuff, you know, this, this sled dog stuff. Mm -hmm. And then something would happen that would just set me totally, but you know, just, just knock me for a loop and it'd be like, you know. I really don't know as much as I thought I did, you know, and, and Stand was, right up and smack you back in reality. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes it was, you know, a dog doing something that I didn't like. And sometimes it was a dog doing something that, you know, I had, I had no expect to, you know, I, I had no reason to expect that it would ever have been capable of doing that, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, one really good example of that was I, um, the trails, uh, around here they they there's one of the trails that drops down onto a lake that is part of a hydroelect hydroelectric um system so they will you know after the ice has settled on the lake they will drain the lake um to create um electricity mm-hmm. um but then we got this kind of freak thaw so the water rose above the ice and then froze again. And I was out running dogs and, um, one of my dogs threw, uh, threw a booty 
it, mm-hmm. and it was a dog that didn't have particularly good feet. So I stopped immediately to uh, put down a hook and, and, and went up and replaced the booty and walked back to the sled and was standing at the handlebar, like at the sled and the ice broke under my feet. Oh, wow. And it was, I mean, it was cold, real cold. And I, I had a hold of the runner of my sled. And, you know, my, my dogs, they, they'd never been, I, I'd never trained them to pull big loads. I'd never trained, you know, they, they pulled me, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big, big, heavy guy, but you know, when they felt resistance, I had trained them specifically to when they felt a lot of resistance to stop, because I didn't want them to be pulling up the, the anchor that I used to stop them when I need to do. Yeah, change mm-hmm. booties or whatever. You know, when they when they felt a certain amount of resistance, they would just stand there. Yeah. And, you know, this time I, you know, I, I couldn't get out. The water, I was not hitting the bottom. I could not get out of could could not get out of the water myself. And, you know, just kind of as calmly as I could, I said, you know, you guys ready? Yeah, let's go. And they, you know, they hauled me out of there. Wow. And it was, you know, heavy, 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 but they never, they never stopped. And it was much, much, much heavier hauling me out of the broken ice than, you know, hauling me out of the lake than, than anything they'd done that winter where yeah, I had trained them the entire yeah. winter to not pull when it got that heavy because I didn't want them dragging the hook out of the snow, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I asked them to go with really it was kind of an act of desperation you know it was like i, I did not expect them to do it and they did well, i'm glad they did <laughs> oh gosh me too and i mean it was it was cold like by the time i got back my my boots had frozen my my the my pants had frozen my jacket had frozen so i had to i ended up taking all of the dogs out of the team and putting them into the dog box in the the dog trailer with their harnesses on and then driving home and I needed to hop in the shower to thaw out, <laughs> to <Wow>. thaw out <laughs> my clothes and, and my boots to be able to get out of the, uh, out of the clothes that I'd gone through the ice in because it had all frozen into this wow. big clump of ice. But it's, cool. you know, it's, it's, you know, that was, that was in a period where things were clicking pretty well. And I was starting to feel like I had a real, I had a real handle on this. And, um, these guys showed me that, you know, they, they showed me that I, I had no clue, you know, in (laughs) what they were able to, you know, what they were actually capable of. And, um, I, I just find the working dog world to be just endless, endlessly fascinating. I, I would agree. Definitely agree. Yeah. So when, uh, when are you picking up your, uh, your male pup is that something that's going to happen pretty soon or is that a uh, nothing's in the works the uh kind of kind of filling out a couple of different breeders right now mm-hmm. uh yeah my hope is within the next year to 18 months get them you know, i'm not in a super hurry but definitely i don't want to be going out too many years and you're looking at a pup yeah yeah gotcha what yeah, are start from scratch what qualities are you looking for 
um, in terms of sort of fleshing out your pack? What are, what, what are you hoping to find? Well, with the dynamic of melody and cadence, you know, I kind of got the one little bit of speed, one little bit slower. So I'm really, I could go either way Mm -hmm. and you have breeding opportunities. So it's kind of, uh, see what presents itself and, uh, take it from there. Right. Right. Oh, cool. Oh, it sounds like, uh, Sounds like you've got some exciting years ahead of you. I hope so. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to getting the kiddos out and watching them grow and the pack grow, and I'll have a good time. Oh, that sounds that sounds excellent. Well, Clint, we are up over right about an hour and a half here. So, oh wow, I think we might. <laughs> uh, yeah, gosh, it goes so quick. It it's uh, the first podcast I did here uh, was with Doug McMahon. And I think that ended up being like two and a half hours. Like, but it went by, it went by in a blink. Wow. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, I love talking to you guys. It's so much fun and it just goes by way too quickly. But um, I really appreciate you hanging in there. We had so many, uh, we had so many issues making this podcast happen. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we, we set this one up. Oh my gosh, we I think we set this one up three or four months ago and then I don't know I don't know in what order these things happen, but like I got COVID was one thing that happened and then yeah, there was yeah, yeah. some work was... issues that happened and then some sort of technical, technical issues, issues. That, yeah. yeah, that killed us the last time and took us a little while to get this one squared away but i really appreciate you hanging in there and i really appreciate you coming on and talking beagles with me oh no not a problem i I thoroughly enjoyed it well i uh i uh, feelings mutual so we'll uh looking forward to hearing uh hearing about what happens in the future and we'll uh we'll we'll catch up to you at some point here likewise buddy all right see you later yeah Man, I love that sound.